bite to another developer cast here on the Game Wisdom channel. I am Josh Placer, and as always, we have another interesting discussion about game design and game development for everyone to enjoy. My guest tonight uh, runs his own smaller studio called One Man Indie. He's put out a few smaller titles here, and he's on to kind of talk about his own experience as an independent developer, as well as setting up for his first game jam. So, I will let him introduce himself here, so feel free. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, many folks may have remembered me. I am Al Cheddar. I used to do a uh, indie game uh, YouTube channel where I played different kinds of games, some of them Terraria, uh, Starbound. Um, currently, I'm venturing into the world of being an indie dev myself. Mm -hmm. um, I've been uh, a big fan of video games since the old, uh, and, I, and I am dating myself, but that's fine. Uh, the old NES days, as a matter of fact, and the uh, Atari days and things of that nature. So I, um, I'm i looking forward to seeing what happens, honestly. Um, has a little bit of a you know, rise and fall with it, but I'm, I'm enjoying the ride. I'm enjoying the ride. Mm -hmm. How long have you been uh, working on your own game for? <laughs> you may think that I'm crazy, but um, I've been working on uh, my first title, which was Monstructs, Makers, and Mayhem. Uh, I've worked on that. I've been working on it, I think, since 2003. Mm. Off and on, yeah, because things happened in life, and, uh, you know, I... Had uh, at the time I was uh, a single father, so I was you know I was kind of doing it as kind of like a hobby, and I was kind of putting it on the back burner because I had to do other things, and then other things in life came along, and um, I stopped it for a little bit, and then I restarted it again, and then I stopped it again, <laughs> and uh, that's why I got married and I had my wife, and um, I had my second son, uh, and. Two more kids came, <laughs> and in the process, I kind of just kept working on this, and now um, I'm in the beta stages of it, and it's more or less, it's, it's coming together. It's coming together. So I guess, so what attracted you to uh, getting into independent development in the first place? Well, that was during the time when the less than legal uh, version of the RPG Maker uh, they, by Interbrain had come out, and it was in 2003, 2004. Mm -hmm. uh, the Don Miguel days, if you may be, you may be familiar with that. And everybody was, was playing with it. Everybody was making all kinds of weird, stupid games with it and everything else like that. And I, I, I was working on, an, on something. It was like a, a, some kind of a weird kind of an adventure thing uh, that I never finished. I, I don't even know if I even have the old prototype for it anymore. And... Um, I worked on that because uh, a friend of mine had told me about it and I just kicked the tires and just did a lot of dumb stuff. And then eventually um, my son and I, we were watching this, this, this old, this, this weird anime show and I forget the name of it, but the premise of it was, it was kind of like, how familiar are you with food wars? The anime, or do you watch anime at all? I've watched a little bit of anime, but not a whole lot of it. Okay. Um, this show was kind of like a, a kind of a strange precursor of it. I forget, and I forget the name. But I got to look for it. What the premise of it was, this guy was a kid and his grandpa, and they went on like on these weird, crazy adventures. They were doing something. And the guy actually made his own uh, like monsters and creatures using food. And he would 
get like an ingredient and he would just for some reason or another go into a uh, go into a pot and just whip out some weird crazy type of creature and i was like oh that's a that's a pretty cool idea so i was thinking well if you can do it with that why can't you do it with other things so that's when i kind of had the kind of the uh, the genesis of the whole monstrucks idea mm-hmm. and the game that i first put out initially was just just, just that monstrucks that was it and then um, I had a little bit of buzz with it. I was featured uh, briefly on RPGMaker.net, uh, which was a pretty proud moment for me because it was uh, I'd worked kind of hard on that. And then um, that's when I had to stop. And then I kept going, you know, many years later. And I dropped off, dropped back on, dropped off, dropped back on. But I never really gave it up. Like it was like an itch in the back of my head. Like, you got to finish. You got to finish. You got to finish. So I finally decided to finish it this time. Okay. And are you still working with, or I assume you're still working with RPG Maker now then? Yes, I am working with the, not as much publicized, but I still, still, still love the RPG Maker XP, because that was the next iteration of it. And that was the big kid on the block at the time when I decided to pick it back up. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, with uh, the two games that you've worked on, are they both considered like in the RPG genre? I assume they're both RPG in design. Well, yeah, this one, Monstructs, and as I've gotten really deep into it, is more like a sim RPG because you're actually simulating the experience of actually making because you actually are doing it. I actually have an actual system where you put the, the actual materials on there and uh, you have to choose what kind of a... Uh, I guess type or in my particular case a cast that you'd be choosing for the monster that you're going to be making you had to have the actual formula you have to go through the process of finding the materials and everything and then once you've done that then you can either send them out on missions or um other things that's, that's, that's that was basically the kind of premise of that i think because if you're going to be making them you got to do something with them mm-hmm. so I didn't want to go with the whole pokemon thing pokemon was a big deal at the time and, and during that time period um, the first iteration of the game, like the very first alpha of it, that kind of influenced me. And then when I stopped and I went back to it, because I, uh, initially this new this this newer version of it, or the second version of it I made, I was going to make it as a gift for my son, and who at the time was about uh, six, and he was really into Pokemon. But I didn't want to do the whole thing, hold the whole types and everything else like that. So I kind of wanted to break it up a little bit, do something a little different, try to give him something that he would be more interested in playing, aside from just going around trying to beat gems. So that's when I added the um, the dispatch system from Final Fantasy Tactics. You, you, you probably may have played that. Yeah. Okay. That's when I added that to the game, and I thought that kind of added a little bit more depth to it because it would, number one, give your monstruct something to do because you, you can't just walk around with them or just leave them in storage all the time. That's kind of boring. So it gives you a chance to have them do something. Um, they have a good chance of failing in many cases, depending. But it gives you um, kind of a running goal to go for. And I've added great rewards to go along with it. And over time, I've tried to flesh out the game more and more in terms of the graphics, in terms of the, the story. And uh, the beginning, I actually got um, some really great feedback from... Um, I don't know if you may be listening, but shout out to Neo Soul Gamer. He had actually... Uh, did a uh, a rundown of my game and he gave me some really good feedback to fix the, op- the opening which i hope uh will be better <laughs> hope people will like it 
And um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That that really that really helped a lot. So like I say, when I say that this this indie dev thing was uh, definitely a, a journey. It it definitely was. Definitely was. Yeah. And I mean, like, I've been interviewing game developers now for more than seven years. So I've heard so many different stories about how people have gotten started and even just, like, the challenge and tribulations that go into it. Because no matter what game you're trying to build, it's always going to be a different experience. Like, yeah. no two games are going to have the exact same developments. You are correct. Um, I actually know exactly what you're talking about because I had ended my very first game jam and it was the um what was it? It was by RPG Maker and it was last year in 2018. It was the indie it was the indie game maker uh, okay. competition. 2018. And that was when I started working on Slime Kingdom. Um I I decided to go with a different kind of a look. The prototype was very rough. It was, but they didn't really care. Um, I think it would have done well, but I think I got a little bit engine screwed because I wasn't really familiar with RPG Maker MV, but I mean, that's life, it happens. Mm-hmm. But I decided to not let that get me down. It did kind of frustrate me a little bit, I'm not going to lie. It did kind of, you know, <laughs> it hurt a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I decided to try to make the best of it, and um, I actually released the very first episode and what I will hope it will be at least a 10 episode epic i think okay so uh just to clarify then so you did your first game jam last year and yeah. next month you're actually going to be hosting your first game jam oh yeah it's uh i've gained about let, let's see because the last time i checked i think i've gained in the 30s in terms of people who are interested and where are you based out of, too? I am in the great state of PA in the uh, northeastern part. I'm in New Jersey, so we're not oh, hey. not so close, but we're relatively close. Okay. <laughs> I kind of thought I heard that. I didn't want to make the assumption because anybody could have. You can be anywhere. People go all over the place. Yeah, I have a total of currently, as of this conversation, almost 40 people, 38 altogether. Okay. So for your game jam, what are you like? Is it going to be like a specific genre, or is it going to be like a topic? Like it's like, how are you playing, or like what are people going to be doing it? Well, what I'm shooting for is to try to maybe generate folk, or generate or, or germinate um, maybe a, a love of the recruitment mechanic and seeing how it can be used in different ways. In this regard, and um, I don't mean I don't know how far and how many games you've been playing, but as I've seen it done in so many different ways. Most people will probably know Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that. Everybody tries to copy that, and the mechanic with that. Um, I actually have an article that I did in regards with this and how it's broken down. But I've seen it done in so many different games, uh, like say the Shin Megami Tensei series, Dragon Quest or Dragon Warrior, depends on how you want to look at it monsters or even the regular games um suikoden the whole mm-hmm. the franchise of it final fantasy uh let's see i've played one but one didn't really, didn't really do with anything like two didn't really play three which would be six um 
that has a really a, a really interesting way of, of gathering or recruiting other people, especially with um, what am I thinking of? Gal, the uh, the wild boy in the uh, in the veld. How you have to constantly keep 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 fighting him, fighting him, keep finding him, and then uh, uh, a couple of other, a lot of other great games that I've seen that Yokai Watch, <laughs> uh, which I think it, it it tried to get a lot of traction, and, and, and honestly. I think if they had handled it a little bit differently, I think they would have been at least a fairly good contender for Pokemon in America. If they had handled it a little bit better, I think. Um, a friend of mine told me that they're going for their third game in Japan now, so I don't know if they're going to retry again. I don't know, but it seems like in Japan, Yokai Watch seems to do uh, do fairly well. I mean, they're in the third game, they're doing pretty all right with it. So that's what I want to do. I want to help people to maybe see if they can try a, a different way of of using this mechanic to make a really interesting game. Um, with Monstructs, I have, I have the way of actually you you make the actual characters who are joining your party, kind of similar to, to Pokemon in a way, but not really because you're not really you're not you don't have to do. Uh, in many cases, you don't have to fight to get the components. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you just have to explore. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Sorry about that. The wind just opened my door. Sorry. <laughs> that was ultra creepy. Hold on. <laughs> Woo! Uh, I said, wait a minute. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in many cases, you can find the components just by looking around. And I, I want to encourage exploration in the game. If you have to go out and interact with things, interact with people, sometimes... Um, the person that you've interacted with beforehand, if you wait a little while, you interact with them again at a certain time of day, you'll get a certain material from them, things like that. Um, right. That's what I was shooting for with that. Um, and how long is the game gym going to be ran for? This is going to be three weeks. 21 days to the dot. I just looked at it. A total of 21 days. All right. And... I guess it's a question for you. Like I always like to ask people, like out of my area, just all around. Like, how? Like, are there any other developers where you're at? You say you're in Northeast Pennsylvania. Yeah. I guess how is this like the sale? Are there any other like any devs out there working on games? None that I've actually. Because I mean, I've, I've talked with other developers. They haven't really told me where they're from. I've um, I've seen that there is some around here. At least I've, I've heard that there was a, a couple of different game jams, but they were like. Mm-hmm. In like little smaller places, a little bit farther uh, east, going back more towards Philadelphia. Because I'm in the mountains, I'm, I'm about a good couple of hours away from my hometown of Philly. So um, I can't just <laughs> I can't always just pick up and just go out <laughs> wherever I want to go. Sometimes I'm, I, I got to work and everything else. But there are some out there. But I, I've met some really good developers. I met one gentleman, um, a, a team of two guys, really nice guys too. Um, they work in Italy, mm. and uh, um, they're called. And I actually, I, I'm actually friends with them now. As a matter of fact, they're called. Uh, what's the name of this studio? And I have to. Oh, going it. What is it? And I played their game and actually did a video about it too. What's the name of it? And I can't think of it right now. Hold on a second. Wait, wait, wait. I know what it is. Hold on, because I have them on my. Twitter list, and this is for my personal Twitter. I also have them on my here. Where are they? Steam. There we go. 
because I, I, they gave me a key for their game. They gave me a key for, a key for two of their games. And I can't remember the dog or name of the studio. And I, afterwards, after the conversation, I, I'll actually, I actually would have remembered it too afterwards. That's always the way it works out whenever I ask you something on the spot like that. But the first game they came, they came out with, I actually liked it a lot, actually. Uh, for the first time they came out with a, with a game, it, they, they had a really, really good first effort. Uh, the second game, it was kind of, um, it was called Abduction 8-Bit. It was a, a game where you played as an alien and you had to abduct people. <laughs> Seep, there you go. They're called Seep Studios. These are the two guys from Italy. The first game they made was Seep Universe. It was kind of like a, um, a side-scrolling, platforming beat-em-up. And they made it with Click Fusion. They made another game called Castana Soul. That's also on Steam and the game that I, that I also told you about again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Abduction Bit. So they made three games so far that, I, that, I, that I've played uh, so far. Really nice guys. Um, I've had an ongoing relationship with them for about, um, let's see, they came with their first game. Wow, 2015. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so I, I've been, I've been <laughs> talking with these guys for like four years now, almost. That's crazy. I didn't realize that. Time goes by fast. Oh, yes, it does. And again, like I've spoken to so many developers over these last few years that, again, it's so crazy how much the industry has grown over this last decade, especially when it comes to the independent side of things. So mm. I got to ask, like, have you had a chance to look or you, you, you just mentioned developers you know from Italy. Have you mm. gone out to like any like conferences, trade shows or anything like that? Uh, no, not as yet because of, of the nature of my work. And yeah. I got the, uh, I got to try to be a little close to home. Uh, you know, my, my wife is, um, a little, little sick and I have to, you know, help out with the kids. That's why I usually work from home mm-hmm. because I have to be close by with her, but, um, she's looking like she's, she's getting a little bit better. So I, I may try to shop around my game a little bit. Um, try to do it a little bit locally. Um, I know about packs. I know about, uh, uh the GDC mm-hmm. and a few other different conferences down there. Now, if maybe if one is close by, I actually might just go by just to check it out, just to see, and uh, maybe at some point get to get a package together and just <laughs> throw it at the wall and see if it sticks. <laughs> you know. And I think, like, when it comes to some of the games that we've seen here on the channel, I guess, like for you. Are there any other designs that you're interested in exploring once you're finished with your game? Uh, there's one, uh, a son, my son, uh, my eldest boy, he had given me, we kind of like kicked around the uh, idea for uh, uh, kind of a, I would guess it would be kind of a shooter game a little bit. And I don't want, I don't want to you know, give out too much of it, but it's, it's, it was a pretty cool idea. He gave me the name of the title. We kind of kicked around the name of the title a little bit. And I want to work on that. Once I've gotten um, Monstructs out of the way and also gotten to a good distance with, with Slime Kingdom, I, I just want to kind of swing into that. That's going to be a totally different genre, though. There's going to be like a shooter. I've never done that before, and I'm still trying to consider what kind of engine I could use to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know uh, I have a guy on 
my server, he's been in uh, C Sharp and C++, so he usually suggested uh, Unity. Mm-hmm. And I may just go with that because uh, he's, he's pretty adamant about it. And if seeing how he's already there, I, I can use him as a resource for that. Plus, I've seen that Unity Unity actually can export to a lot of different platforms. So I, I was interested in that as well. So um, RPG, RPG Maker MV only can, it doesn't really, I haven't really seen that they actually go beyond just the, the, the PC yet. Uh, I've seen some people make a mobile game, one mobile game, and I've seen it usually either they usually translate it either to either Mac and uh, Linux, and it's also for PC. Now I don't know if there's a way of actually converting that over to the Switch. If there is, I'm sure somebody will find it. But uh, I may just either go with either Game Maker or Unity for this next game. So that'll definitely be me branching out into something completely different, yeah. uh, new, and uh, yeah, different. Yeah, and like I guess, like from your own experience, mm. like um, what like, as a smaller independent developer, I guess, what's been I guess like the most challenging thing as you're trying to learn to be a developer? Because again, I've spoken to many people who've came from multiple different from multiple backgrounds, who've had experience with different aspects of game development, who may be really good at one yeah, thing one. but may lack in another. Well, when I first started out with Monstrux, um, I was basically doing everything by myself at first, and then there were people who had expressed an interest at the time. That's when they were like younger guys, like in the teens or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. And what I found, unfortunately, that in many cases, when you are doing any kind of a project, especially one that's a personal one, no one is going to be as passionate, as concerned, or as dedicated as you are. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what led to a lot of the, um, the hiatuses that was what they came to because I, I didn't want to stick with the regular assets that were in RPG Maker. A lot of people were complaining, oh, you're using the regular assets. And I, so I was trying to think about, okay, well, what am I going to do? How am I going to find a way, find the assets to go along with this? How am I going to make what I'm going to do? And eventually, I just knuckled down and just made a lot of the artwork <laughs> myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the greatest. Uh, thankfully, there's this guy out here. Hopefully, he's listening. His name is Eric Matias. He offers a lot of his music for free. Uh, you make mm-hmm. He would appreciate a donation. And uh, if you do want to uh, use any of his music and you want to go by his site, it's called soundimage.org. S-O-U-N-D-I-M-A-G, as in George E, dot org. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a lot of great music there that you can use uh, aside from RPG Maker for any kind of game engine again it's free he gives you his complete commission uh, 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 permission me, to use it he does appreciate our donation and uh, he's helped a lot in regards with the music for my games so uh, big shout out to him hope he's listening <laughs> and uh, in regards with everything else I've made like the tile sets I've made the characters I've learned how to uh, make maps, all kinds of stuff. I'm even looking to get forward into uh, scripting 
actually doing programming for some of the things that I would need. And I've had some help with that in regards to that as well. Uh, shout out to the guys over at the Chaos Project Discord. Uh, I used to like to plug their uh, 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 an invite to them, but I guess they kind of discontinued that because I guess people were, I guess, being trolls, I guess. And I can understand that because this is more for uh, the older forms of RPG Maker, not so much for the newer stuff. But they really were a big help out with, with those guys. Um, so I want to thank them as well if they are listening. They were a big help. Uh, so, yeah, basically what I would say to any indie developer, learn to be self-reliant. I mean, it's great to have a, a, a bunch of people who will want to help you. But a lot of times, unfortunately, like I said earlier, nobody's going to love your project as much as you will. Mm-hmm. Unless you're paying them. Yep. <laughs> that is the case there. Yeah, so that's that's what I, w- I would tell anybody else. If you're interested in doing this, learn to rely on yourself. And I, I think that actually gives your game more character. I mean, the artwork that I did for my game is not <laughs> groundbreaking. It's not anything all that great. Um, but I, I feel that it gives my game character. And uh, I guess it feels like I'm more... Uh, um, it's more handcrafted, I guess, that that makes more sense, even though I'm not really making it by hand by hand. It actually see, seems like, uh, feels like I'm actually, like, chiseling it out myself. Like, say, if we were back in the Renaissance, if we were, like, say, Renaissance-era sculptors. Yes, it's not going to be a David, and it will, neither will it be, you know, uh, any of the other great artworks that, that, that were made at that time. But it's mine. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, even if 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 my game isn't going to be like an international hit or anything like that, if if some people can play it and if they can enjoy it, they can say, huh, oh, this was pretty cool. I can think I can be happy with that. You know, mm-hmm. I can be happy with that. Do you intend on the... Are either one of your games like actually for sale, or is it just up for like anyone to download for free? Well, what I have now, I'm in the process of doing the beta for Monstructs, and that's free. Um, I may go into early access after beta two, which is what I'm working on now, and I should have that done before month's end. Uh, the first episode of Slime Kingdom that is free, but the episodes after that will not be. Uh, they'll probably, maybe, probably, but I'm not, I'm not trying to break anybody. It's not going to do anything crazy like that. Maybe like three or four bucks. Um, and then I may just compile them all together for a special collector's edition and then sell it like, for like 20 bucks, something like that. Um, I'm not trying to be <laughs> crazy with it. And like with a lot of the developers I, I've spoken to, at least uh, when I used to go to the uh, Philadelphia chapter of IGDA, there was yeah. always that discussion about, you know, the art versus kind of like the business when it comes to being a developer. And it's a lot, I think it's very tough for people to kind of wrap their heads around when it comes to both working on a game and also realizing that you should intend to sell this, like, you know, try to make some money off of it. Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, it wouldn't be so bad if I was a single. If I was a single fellow, it probably wouldn't matter so much. But I, I do have a family I got to try to support. So if I'm going to be doing this, I definitely do need to get paid. 
my father, uh, who has done a lot of selling <laughs> in his lifetime, he always told me that, son, it doesn't matter what you do or how you do it. It always comes down to the sale. Mm-hmm. You got whatever you want to do. You have to present either yourself or your product in such a way to make the prospective customer interested in buying. He told me something that's called the law of large numbers, that the more times you do a thing, the more times you're going to arrive at the results you're looking for. So, and I, and I put it to the test, and honestly, yes, it has worked. Um, I did it with the, uh, the, the, the game jam. Beforehand, I put it out and nobody really knew anything about it. But as I kept putting out more and more and talking more and more about it and just keep bombarding people with it in probably maybe some irritating ways, <laughs> people started you know, talking about it. One guy actually brought it up in a Reddit post as an example on trying to help people uh, get started or figure out how they can make a story up for their own game. So maybe that person probably did join maybe a couple of others. So yeah, I'm going to probably put out another post. Um, I'm, I'm going to give the 30, the 30 day warning to, for people to start brainstorming and gathering up their teams that they're going to do it. And then the day of, I'll put out another, like a couple of other posts beforehand. And the day of it's going to be the announcement. Okay, let's go do it. Come on, let's get in there and just wind them up and just set them on their way for the three weeks and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes you just gotta do that. I mean, that's how I started with Game Wisdom. That's how I did mm. this with the YouTube channel. And yeah. as of right now, I've begun my slowly but surely con- connecting with every like library in the United States while doing presentations and lectures with them. I saw that. I saw that post that you put on on yeah. Twitter too. Uh, see, I don't know. Uh, I know my uh, the school that I have is not too far, far a city. I mean, I could ask and see if if, if anybody would be interested in that. Uh, I know there's a university not too far mm-hmm. from here, a campus for it, and I could check that out and see if anybody would be interested in, in it. Uh, but I can definitely look around for that. Mm-hmm. I definitely, that's a good idea, actually, doing the uh, presentations like that. It's a good way of getting yourself out there. Yep. Brilliant, actually, especially with, 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 with uh, college students because they're so young and impressionable. And uh, more apt to dream, as it were. <laughs> and just trying to get education out there in terms of why you need to study game design or why mm. it deserves to be studied. Yes. Yes, it does. It's A lot of people may not take it seriously, but like with any other type of industry, if you don't know or don't really have a true understanding of it, in many cases, you will fail and you'll lose, you, you lose heart in it. Mm-hmm. Um, my father asked me when, I, when we saw a commercial for Final Fantasy 3 well, well wait a minute well son this is Final Fantasy 7 why is it called the Final Fantasy <laughs> and I told him I don't, I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with the story with why Final Fantasy got his name are you? Mm-hmm. yes I okay am. so yeah so I told him well look there was this guy and I, and I, I forget the gentleman's name I actually saw the Wikipedia post on it this guy had been in the game industry for like years. Every game he put out, he just for some reason or another he just failed, and he was getting to the point where he's like, "Look, all right, I'm just going to give it up." But before I do, 
let me just go and just balls to the walls and all the way and just just throw everything I have at it and just sees what happened. And that's when he put out Final Fantasy because he figured, okay, well, fine, I'm probably going to walk away from this anyway. I'll just call it uh, Final Fantasy, whatever. And I guess the stars and moon aligned for the brother and he he did it. And he was, it was it was on and running after that point. And he made something really, really great that lasted for a while. I know, tw- I know Final Fantasy VIII is 20 years old. <laughs> so the very first Final Fantasy, man, goodness gracious. Let me look at that. Very long time ago. Yeah, it is. And uh, before, that was back during the days before they were going to be just called Squaresoft, too. Now, yeah, it was, they were, they were mm-hmm. Final Fantasy is a Japanese credit by, yep. Hironobu Sakaguchi, and developed by Square Enix, formerly Square. Yep. 1987. <whistles> it was a very good year. Goodness gracious. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the guy here. Sometimes it just shows if you just if you're just desperate enough, and if you just ballsy enough, sometimes you can make things happen. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like the fact of that. So I guess like for you, like have you done like anything like YouTube or Twitch related in terms of like getting known or getting your name out there? Well, I actually had a a YouTube channel. Um, I used to do uh, gaming videos, Let's Plays. And then um, as work, there wasn't really... I'd gotten about like 300 some odd subscribers. And um, I I was... was Kept putting out videos every day, putting it out on on Twitch. I mean, YouTube. I was, I think it was YouTubing like every day for about like three years or so, and um, wasn't really making much traction. But I, I'd got my name out there a little bit, and some people have reached out to me in regards with like doing voice voiceovers. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually helped out um, a, a fellow out in Utah, uh, Yellow Demon Hurler. You may have, you may have heard him. He released the machinima for Starbound, the monsters below. Okay. Helped him with that. Um, he reached out to me recently in regards with uh, his other series he's doing right now, Ori in the Blind Forest. It's called Ori's and the, what is it, Voices of Nature, something of that nature. I couldn't do it because I was working and also working on my game. But um, and I've had offers to do like voiceover stuff and stuff like that. I just had to kind of give it up because I had to work. If it was making more money, then I would have continued it. But I had kind of had to make a choice <laughs> between what I wanted to do and, you know, well, responsibilities. So I kind of walked away from that. But um, I may go back to that again. I, I think what I'll probably do going forward, I may just start doing like streams of me actually working on the game. I think that might might, might work a little bit better. We'll play a little bit of music in the background. Uh, of course, non-copyright, of course. And uh, just stream for like an hour or so. I'll be working on different stuff with the game. Some people are having interest in that. They'll probably answer me questions, so I can do it like a, like a live kind of a Q and A type of format while I'm working. And I think uh, folks will probably be a little more interested in that. They'll probably gravitate towards that. And I may just go back to doing less plays again uh, of other stuff. Uh, so that I, I'd done it. I'd streamed and then uh, made content uh, briefly. Briefly for a while. 
Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, like, here with the channel, I've been putting out stuff daily, and it's just been a... It has been a challenge, but I think I've grown relatively fast, at least over the last three years. And it, it, it does take a lot of time and energy, and it's one of those things that it does feel like you really have to do one or the other. Like, if you want to make a video game, you have to go make a video game. If you want to be on yeah. YouTube, you're going to be on YouTube. But doing them both, at least trying to be a professional level at both, mm. I just don't see that working unless, you know, you've already made it big on one of those two areas. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, unfortunately, I, 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 this is before I even considered going back in the, in the game dev again. I was just, I had to work because I had to make, you know, make money, pay bills. And that's the reason kind of why I walked away from the uh, the content creating. But I, I I like the chance of actually of making the thumbnails and making the videos and trying out different kind of like editing techniques and playing the games. I enjoyed playing the games. There was a lot of great indie games that I played that I really enjoyed. Uh, Terraria, which really took a lot of people by surprise. Uh, Starbound, another great game by another great indie indie publisher. I've played Ute uh, Unturned, and I became kind of like an, an expert with a kind of a, a little bit of a celebrity with that. I, I did kind of reach that. I, I, I did enjoy that a little bit. It was fun. Um, what other games have I played that I really enjoyed? Uh, what was it? Gladiator School. Which was another good game, also by a, a single indie developer. And Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight was a really good game as well. I actually supported those guys on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Hollow Knight was one of those games, again, we've been playing this on the stream and talking about that mm-hmm. a lot of people, and I'm sure you've ran this, especially the RPG Maker. That they've discounted Unity, you know, they're saying that only like the worst games come from Unity. There's been like that little sentiment from a lot of people. The but, reason why that's the case mm-hmm. is because a lot of people have been doing a lot of asset flips. Mm-hmm. You're doing the same thing with with RPG Maker, which is why uh, when RPG Maker came out, everybody just was just releasing just all kinds of stuff. There was some there was some good games that, that were released. I'm not gonna lie. Um, a good example of that was um Medens. There was a guy who released that. The art style was was crazy. Like if you can look it up, uh, it's, it's on rpgmaker.net dot dot uh dot net. It's spelled M as in Mary I D D as in dog E N as in Nancy S as in Sam Medens. And it had a really crazy art style. Um but it told a very interesting story, and I think it's one of the best games that was made for RPG Maker at the time. A lot of times, uh, people will bring up uh, Lisa. The very first game was actually made on RPG Maker 2K3, and then it was remade again in, um, I believe it was either Ace or MV. That has a huge following behind it. Um, another one was Heartbeat. That was a more recent game that came out. Had a pretty good amount of success, uh, success excuse me, Jimmy, Jimmy and the Pulsating Mass, which also had an interesting way of, of running the mechanics of recruitment because you could actually gain the, the, the skills of people you fought and use them in the game, which was very clever. I like that. And um, another one is that's currently in development right now, and you'll find that on RBG Maker web, the forum, 
It's called Gladiatora. It's actually set in the Roman era. And it's basically a story of a group of glad- gladiators who would actually free themselves from their former master and decided to masquerade themselves as still as a form as a fully functioning ludus. Mm-hmm. So they can kind of find freedom for everybody else and for themselves. Great idea. You get to recruit people in different kinds of ways. Uh, it's the recruitment style is in some ways kind of similar to Sweeker than a little bit, which I, I do like. I don't know if you've played that any of the, the yeah. Sweeker yeah. games at all. You have. I, mean, I okay. played like one or two of them. Okay, so it's it's kind of similar to that. You'll you'll, you'll find that it's going to be very familiar to you once you've played it. But that's also a really, really good game. So a lot of a lot of great RPG Maker games did come out, but because it's a program, especially when it was um, back in the um, Don Miguel days, because he was the first one who translated RPG Maker 2000, uh, everybody was just releasing a, a lot of craziness uh, back in those days. Um, I, me included. I, like I said before, I released one game, and that was... I think I think it was just basically I was just 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 for S and G's, you know, just kicking it around. I didn't really, really release it, really. Um, and then I guess because people still had it, they decided that they're going to try to make some kind of money with it. And because they flooded the market with so many substandard games, with Unity included, also Game Maker. Um, I think it, it, it soured a lot of people to those type of engines unfortunately because of that and it, it's it's the nature of the beast people are going to want to experiment they're going to want to also get paid and you know i think uh especially with gaming customers have gotten a little bit spoiled for choice they have they they want everything to be top of the line they want everything to be this triple a experience and you you're not going to really get a lot of that with uh, especially with single or maybe small indie houses. I mean, you may get something like that or something close, but uh, <laughs> I think uh, the bar has definitely been raised. I and mean, a lot yeah. of my audience, I'm sure a lot of, and a few people watching this are on the independent side, and you really can't get away with uh, simple designs anymore. Or no. I, we were talking about this very lately with this idea of the whole arcade market like there's still a lot of people mm-hmm. making like um asteroid clones or yeah. um, missile command or things like mm-hmm. that and those kinds of games just really don't work anymore because anything that you would charge would still be put up against somebody who's making a unique and original title for you know mm-hmm. 399 599 whatever and even those games are being heavily criticized or critiqued when you compare them to fourteen and nineteen dollars and so on, mm, yeah. Uh, the really big fallout with it, and I, and I know you, you've been in, in 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 the game industry for a while, was No Man's Sky. I know yep. you're familiar with that debacle and people spending like sixty dollars for that game. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I can literally hear the howls of blood <laughs> just for vengeance when that game came out the first time. I was like, oh. People were just just outraged. Yeah. And the thing is that it takes a lot, I think, especially in today's market, to make something that people want to play. Yeah. And 
like the sad things, like we've spotlighted a lot of games here on the channel. I do a once a month indie game spotlight stream as well, and like you, unfortunately, you can really see that difference in quality. And unfortunately, I think what may be a harsh truth for a lot of people is that just because you spend a lot of time on a project, especially with something like No Man's Sky and so on, that that doesn't always translate into something people want to play or something that people are even going to find out about if you don't do the lay work with PR and social media. Yeah, yeah, I definitely have have seen that a lot. Uh, you, you definitely got to make sure, number one, your product is going to be at least playable. Mm-hmm. You have to do that. Um but other than that, you you definitely gonna have to get out there and just start just really really telling people about your product, show that you're actually as excited about it as other people would be. Um, with the one game that I've been doing, I've actually been releasing like uh, uh, holiday specific uh, cards, especially for Slime Kingdom. Mm-hmm. But I think the characters, I I, I, I like the, the art style in Slime Kingdom a little bit better than what I've done. Monstructs. Although the the two different games, I think I've actually, I think my art style has kind of matured with uh, Slime Kingdom more. Mm-hmm. Is what I found, and I, I find it is a joy to actually make these little uh, uh, promotional materials. Like I made um, some um, some Valentine's Day cards. I made one card for uh, not for Easter, unfortunately. I, I missed it. I think it was sick. But I need another one for Mother's Day. Uh, I'll probably put out another one. I'd make one for Christmas, another one for uh uh what was that? This this coming uh or this past New Year's Day. And the people that they liked it, they was they thought it was cute. Oh, it was so cute. <laughs> um I actually have some images of that on my site. And you probably will see that when you look at it. They're kind of what I'm shooting for with, with uh Slime Kingdom is kind of kind of a like a uh, maybe kind of an RPG webcomic type of deal. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Giant in the Park. Uh, nah. That website. He publishes published two different uh, webcomics. He published Or the Stick. I don't know if you heard about that. No, nah, don't follow too much in terms of webcomics, to be honest. Well, that was if you if you haven't have you have a chance to look up Order of the Stick. The art style, to be honest, is not all that great. The story is awesome. Um, he also put out another one called Earth World. And you may be more inclined with hearing this one, um, 8-Bit Theater. This was, I forget the name of the gentleman who made it, but this was a long-running uh, web series featuring the artwork from Final Fantasy, I believe, 2? It was an 8-bit style. And I love that. So when I was looking to try to do Slime Kingdom, when it was time for me to do the uh, the game jam for the IGMC, I was thinking, oh, maybe try something a little different, maybe something kind of like that a little bit. And so that's when I kind of kind of uh, tumbled into this idea with kind of doing a side scrolling type of uh, of a video game mm-hmm. with this one. And I, I'll, I'll probably expand on a little bit more. But the, the prototype and the, the first episode I have, I'm pretty pretty happy with that. I think. Uh, people get a lot of good feedback and a lot of you know, a lot of uh, a good uh, good reviews on what they saw. They they definitely liked the art with that. So yeah, I'm kind of uh, kind of proud of it. Proud of that one. Okay, 
I guess, um, as you said, you started to do your, your own art for the game. Like, how did you find, like, learning to do, like, art? Like, do you, were you, like, a programmer by trade, or did you, like, have any, like, trade skills when it comes to game development, or did you learn that on your own? I basically just learned everything on my own. Um, I had some, I have some artistic ability, and, but I found what I was able to do is I'm able to draw, like, simple shapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some other things. So what I what I would usually do is I would maybe like draw a shape and draw another shape that went along with it. And together I would kind of piece that together into actual picture. And as I went along with it, when I was in the process of doing monstructs, those I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to redo those, of course. But the very first ones I were pretty proud of because I had never done anything like that before. They were pretty difficult shapes. Mm-hmm. They were close to the idea of what I had in my head. And like I said before, it was the first time I'd actually done anything like that. Like I, I'd really drawn like if you'd seen initially I was going to be using artwork from Dragon Warrior Monsters and kind of Franken uh, spreading it. Mm-hmm. basically just taking sprites from one, sprites from the other, and uh, I did a pretty okay job with that. But I wanted to do something of my own, and so when I did it, I was like, wow, huh, huh, okay. So I just kept doing it, and then uh, that's when I stopped again for the second time, and then this time I decided, well, let me just make everything else to go along with it. So I did the tile sets, I did the characters, and the characters came out, Definitely a lot better than I anticipated. I uh, I started off with like a simple like a walk animation. I, I literally made a little anim- animatronic of the walking animation, mm-hmm. trying to have a reference, and then I made everything else to go on top of it. And by the time like you can literally see the process of it, I, I started with the animatronic. I had the first version of it, which looked weird. The second version of it looked a little less weird, and then <laughs> I had the final version of it, which. Um, I'm, I'm I'm fairly proud of, pretty proud of how it looks. <laughs> right. Now, I guess there's another question. Since you said you're a self-study, have you done any work actually like studying or learning game design at all? No, I've wa- what I've done is I've watched uh, a lot of many uh, the, 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 vine, excuse me, the design logs of many other game designers. And I've also drawn on the experiences or what I've got when I was playing many of the old school games in terms of how level design looks, mm-hmm. their design processes, their thoughts in the process of doing it. And that actually has helped a lot in terms of writing a narrative, in terms of character development, in terms of mechanics, what kind of mechanics you want to have, what kind of mechanics you don't want to have what your overall goal, goal is when you are actually designing the game. See, because initially, I wanted to, when I was initially making Monstrux, the very first version of it, it was almost a Pokemon clone, just about. And then I thought about it, and I was thinking, okay, what would actually be of interest to my intended audience, which was at that time my, my son? What would he be interested in? 
and how can I make this in such a way that it's not going to be boring to him, where it's not going to be a chore. And so that's when I designed the kind of systems that at least I think would make a player more interested in playing. Like I have uh, a type of uh, visual rewards or sound cues that actually show, hey, good job, you did this. When, say, they, if they find a certain material and, say, if the stars align, when they see or interact with the material, they come up with the idea for a formula. And you, you see like a bit like, and then XYZ was inspired to write a formula. And so I wanted to give the person a kind of a, a visual kind of a joy. That, oh, hey, look, I did this. I, I got this cool thing. Um, I've noticed that in, in psychology, which in many cases um, informs a lot of game design, that if you give someone a type of upbeat type of uh, uh, reward with it, you don't have to give them anything. Just give them that the little bit of affirmation. Hey, great, you did this. People are more likely uh, to do it, which is why Pokemon was so famous, because you went through the effort of, of you know, battling this, this particular creature and you got him down low enough and then you had a little side of dooku, 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 boop, and then 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 congratulations you caught xyz and people are like oh yeah that's awesome and that's why pokemon got so famous because you had that visible enjoyment of going through all that work to try to get this creature down to a level where you can catch him then you catch him and you have a possibility of might getting away or you know am i going to be able to get him can i get him can I, come on, come on, come on, come on. And you finally get them. You're like, oh, yes. And it's just, it's that, 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 that dopamine rush, you know? Mm-hmm. You've gone through so much work to get something like that. I think that is what kept people playing. That's what kept me playing as a player. And it really helped to solidify Pokemon as a really, really great game. So that's what I wanted to try to emulate in the game that I have that I'm making now. With with Monstrux, I, I really want to kind of to capture that kind of feeling. I think I've done a, a fairly good job of it. Uh, this is some some areas of improvement, of course, but yeah, I think I've I've I've, I've got a good concept down. I just want to make sure I really, really, without being too ham fisted about it, just really nail it in for the player. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm trying to think if there's any other topics I want to bring up for tonight. I guess. Oh, I gotta ask because a few people were asking me about this. Like, have you had a chance? Like, if you had, if you've been looking me up, have you had a chance to look at my book that I have out on game design, or have you heard of it? No, I have not. Actually, I did see it on your Twitter that you did have something of that of that mm-hmm. nature, though. Let's see what we have here because I do. I still have that up here. As a matter of fact, because I mean, like, there's so much about uh, learning game design. There we go. That goes beyond just being able to play video games, unfortunately. And it is like a very tough, I think, discipline for people to get into. Yeah. And it's definitely different than actually playing it. I will tell you, you are correct in regards to that. I will definitely, yes, definitely agree with you on that. Playing a game and making a game, two completely different beasts. Um, so, yeah. I, if you don't mind, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how far back you go back in gaming, but I, I definitely like to talk about the kind of games that we really in, in loved and enjoyed, uh, just you and me both, and uh, talk about how why we loved them, what about the game that we really liked, really enjoyed, our favorite game or games, uh, 
depending upon our, our, our game playing career, if you don't mind. Uh, we could do a little bit of it, but uh, I think for the audience, they're definitely more interested in like design and game okay. dev talk. Yeah. But I guess like what kind like you know in a perfect world, like yeah. if you could design like what would be like your dream game to design in terms of a genre? My perfect game to design in terms of a genre. Hmm. That's a very interesting one. I, I I think I definitely would probably go with an RPG. Um, the best game that I've played, which I thought was, it had so many of the right elements, right others, unfortunately, it was just criminally just unknown. It's a game from the NES, and it was called The Magic of Scheherazade. Mm-hmm. It had... A great story, firstly. And the way it was designed, the battles were run in so many different ways. It had the standard action RPG battles. It had the the regular turn-based battles. And uh, what was it? It it was just just something just, just, just really, really great about the game. The music was great. The eventing in the game was was awesome. It is by my far my epitome of a really well designed, excellently designed game. If that was the game that I was able to make, that would be it. That would be the game I would make. And it's a doggone shame. It's not as as well known as it should be because it, it it came around about the same time as the Legend of Zelda. So. That may have been the problem. May have been a problem with that. I think Culture Brain really didn't do too much of a job in terms of advertising. I guess they may have had some kind of financial problems. I don't know. I don't know. But it was um, it's a, it's a shame, first rate shame. But that, if that was the game that I had to make in a perfect world. That would be it. That would be it. In terms of story, design, mechanics, everything. That would be it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, everyone watching knows uh, some of my favorite genres, from action to platforming to city building. And, mm. I mean, it's one of those things that definitely has embodied independent culture. You know, being able to develop your own perfect game or what your dream game would be. Mm. But it's always tricky to be able to market that to people. And again, like I've spoken to developers who have, you know, got right out of college and immediately started to build a game. I was going to mm. some who had a career. You know, they spend their entire lives doing something else and then decide one day to start making a video game. And yeah. it's a very interesting aspect when it comes to the design because you can, like we've said this before, I know the audience knows this, that you can have 10 different people and say, make an RPG and you'll get 10 <laughs> different RPGs. Yeah, you will. Because everyone's definition of it is mm-hmm. something different. Some people will probably be influenced by many of the other RPGs that are out there. Legend of Zelda, uh, Final Fantasy, Pokemon. Uh, some people may be ex- uh, uh, influenced by Dungeons and Dragons, which had a huge uh, uh, influence on a lot of people when it came to that. And you can definitely see that in a lot of games. Like now, you can see some of it um, a little bit in uh, The Witcher, uh, which also was a was, was a big hit, um, 
So you, you'll definitely get a lot of different things. For me, for me, yeah, I definitely if I probably would have been influenced more by Dungeons and Dragons because I was really into uh, the books at the time. So I probably would have been heavily influenced by that. So if you just say just make an RPG, that at that particular point in time, um, back when I was younger, yeah. Now I probably would do something a little, maybe a little different, like maybe something along the lines of Slime Kingdom. Mm-hmm. I think I would do something more like that. And, like, when it comes to, I guess, like, RPG design, I guess, oh, I guess here's an always popular one. I'm sure you've, you've never heard of this question. Like, mm-hmm. what like what do you consider, like, JRPG versus CRPG? Because I'm sure nobody's ever had that argument when it comes to the RPG mm-hmm. genre before. Well, that's the thing. Because they're, they're, they're two, while they're siblings, they are definitely very different. And I don't really think I could really choose one over the other. I don't think I could because, like I said, they're both different. They're like, like, say, like, say, chocolate and vanilla in terms of ice cream. Some people would prefer chocolate and some people would prefer vanilla. I prefer Cherry Garcia, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So I could never I can never choose one over the other. I couldn't. There's just no way I could, I could choose that over that because they're, they're both awesome. They have made great examples of that. Final Fantasy, of course, is the perfect example of JRPG. Uh, let's see, CRPG. What would I, what would I choose for that? Hmm. Hmm. There's so many good ones. <laughs> There's a lot of CRPGs that are really are good. Sorry. I can never really think of. Can't really, can't really think about. It. I know all the Final Fantasy games, like the, all the games from a lot of the games from Japan, for the JRPG, of course, definitely are good. Um, hmm. Yeah, I can't even think of anything that actually could be anything that I would choose for just for CRPG myself. Yeah, couldn't think of it. Um, let me see. A few people in the chat they were looking up like your games. Did you have something called like an opi mode in one of your titles? Oh no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. That was a plugin released uh by uh who was that by that was by Yanfly. <laughs> and it was a, a plugin that he made that actually released and actually gave your, your characters the uh <laughs> the opi effect. No, I don't have, I'm not quite that bold, not just yet, mm. but uh, that was something that he released and I just, I just uh, retweeted it because I thought it was, I thought it was funny. It was. <laughs> uh, oh, guy's man. a genius. I will say that to him. He's, he's one of the unsung heroes of the RPG community. Like, everybody knows him. Yanfly, Gal, mm-hmm. uh, there's another one, there's a, a lady out there, Archaea. These people have really helped to expand the capabilities of the RPG maker. Uh, mm-hmm. They've been in it for years since, uh, I, I know for sure, since XP, when the XP version came out, that was in 2005. So they've been in it for a while. Mm-hmm. And they, they've done a lot to actually help out people. Uh, also, some random dude, he also is a, good, is, is a good one as well. A lot of people use their plugins nowadays. Now, I don't know. If they're going to continue doing it, I know Yanfly is talking about retiring, possibly, 
because he's been in there for a while, and I don't know if he if he's getting as much support as he should. Um, I've tried to support him. A lot of other people have done it, uh, but I guess if, if he can't maybe make that much of a living, depending on whatever situation is, um, mm -hmm. some people just have to walk away. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Um, now, unfortunately, it's the same thing we see in like all walks in the independent space, sadly, with many developers, you know, doing their damnness to get that one game out, and if it doesn't work, you know, mm -hmm. you don't really, a lot of them don't have, you know, a plan B in some cases, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I think, honestly, while it can be a bad thing, because if you don't have a plan B, where do you go from here? I think it's a good way of motivating a person to really give it their all. I mean, of course, you know, not everybody's going to succeed. But if you actually put forth your best effort, and if you try, even if you fail, at least you say you can say that you put the effort forth, that you tried. If you just give it your hardest, I think a lot of people, while they may be disappointed, I think they, they have a bit of a bit of closure, I think, and the, the the kind of quiet dignity of knowing that they actually gave it their all, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know, nothing nothing is is guaranteed, but yeah, I think that's a quiet dignity in, in doing that and mm -hmm. working towards it in, in, in that. Uh, a lot of times I felt like I was like I was like I was kind of failing myself, but um, I <laughs> I'm just determined to get this done, even if 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 not if not a lot of people do want to play it. I can understand it. Just hey, mm -hmm. maybe this idea just came out a little too late. But uh, hey, you know, yeah. I can look back and say hey, I did that. And again, like, there's that line between what's considered, like, a hobbyist and a game developer. And it's yeah. one thing that like, a lot of people, especially uh, those just starting out, tend to struggle with. Mm. And unfortunately, like, just because you can work on prototypes or make a demo, a lot of people think that's all it takes to be a game developer. But mm. I think, unfortunately, there's so much more than that. And... We've had many discussions, and a few of my regulars in chat, you know, we've had that discussion about what it takes to be able to call yourself an indie dev or even just be a game developer in the first place. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, like, there's that difference between making a game just for yourself or for your friends and family and making something that can be a product, be something that you can actually put on a storefront, whether it's Steam, Itch, whatever. Mm -hmm. And be able to, you know, sell that to people. And it's a very tough talk, I think, for a lot of people to have with themselves. I think when you consider yourself a hobbyist, when you actually are just doing this in your spare time and you're not really taking it really all that seriously, it's like a fun little experiment. I think where you actually can consider yourself a dev when you are actually are dead set and determined to get this done. Mm -hmm. When you're willing to put in the hours, five, six, eight, 10, 12, maybe even 20 hours in a day, just working on the most pedantic of details. 
<laughs> just to try to get that one mechanic of your game to work. That's what I think. That's what separates the hobbyist from the actual uh, the game dev. Sometimes having doubts, serious doubts. Am I just wasting my time? And I think a lot of people who have actually have or are doing it, I think everybody's had that. Like mm-hmm. the, that that doubt. Like, why am I doing this? I mean, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll never be able to make a game like uh, most game, game I can name right now, Sekiro. Like, mm-hmm. how am I going to make a game like that? Nobody's going to want to play this little game like that. And sometimes you, you, you can beat yourself up. Mm-hmm. But then there are those days where somebody will say something about your game that'll crystallize it in that moment for you. And then you look at it and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's it. And that's, that's, that's what'll keep you going. That'll let you know that even if no one, if not a lot of people really talk about your game or even like it or even play it, you know that you actually, as a game dev, know that this is just a part of the journey. Mm-hmm. This is it. This is the journey that you're going to go on. This is where you're going to hang your hat on. This is it for you. This is it. Nothing else. There's nothing else that you can think of doing. There's nothing else that you could. I mean, there's other things in life, of course. But this is something that you live, you breathe, that's constantly on your mind. That's what you are. You're game dev. This isn't a hobby. This isn't just a phase. This isn't just uh, some kind of a weird get-rich-quick scheme. This is it. That's it. I think my first time that I actually realized that someone actually really appreciates the efforts that I go to when someone actually gave me $5 for the prototype of Monstructs. Not the prototype, the the, the 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 first official beta of Monstructs. And it happened about a couple of weeks ago. And when I saw that, I just, I was like, wow. Wow. <laughs> like someone actually really thought enough of what I was doing. Because if you, if you go to my itch page, you'll see that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to constantly stay up to date with everything that, that, I'm, that I'm doing. In terms of like the design process, like a couple of years back when I first put out the first issue, like the first uh, dev log, it was just basically just, yeah, it's open for business, yada, 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 I have this out here. And if you see all the, the alphas that I've released, <laughs> you'll definitely see, yeah, it was, it was, it was rough. But you, I think people would find that I've actually steadily and steadily over time improved with what I've seen here. And I, I think it's just kind of like a chronicle of a journey, like my death, my dev logs. That's what I kind of look at it. Like this is just for me going from point A to point B. And I'm kind of taking people along for the ride as it were. Mm-hmm. My, my process with that. And I guess uh, the gentleman who decided this, to, to pay for that, he's, he, I guess he saw the, the amount of work I was doing and the fact that I kept sticking with this, I think 
he was just letting me kind of know, like, hey, man, look, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult, but stick with it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And everyone, as we've said, has to start somewhere. Yeah. And it's always been that very, you know, very interesting and unique path that gets through to game development. Yeah. And unfortunately, not everyone can make it, but. Uh, like we've said many times over, I'm just reading the comments in chat. That's going. Game development is a get broke slowly scheme. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> for a lot of people, that can certainly be the case. And again, like I think a lot of people, unfortunately, don't really understand or respect. I think the amount of work that goes into game design, and you it is a case where. You can fail many times by things you don't know rather than mm. what you do know. Yeah. Right. Yes, you definitely can fail a lot. Mm-hmm. You will definitely... I, I saw a, um, a post. What was it? It, it was, it was a, a scene from Rocky. Rocky Balboa movie. The, the the more recent one, not the one that not, with the uh, with with uh, with Michael uh, uh, Smith, Michael J- Michael B. Jordan. This was the other one beforehand when he was with a uh, Vince Vertomiglio, and he said, "Son, no one is going to hit you harder than life. But it's not about the hits that you get. It's not about the hits that knock you down. It's the hits that you get back up from." That's what really matters. Mm-hmm. And game design, game development, that's going to be uh, the toughest job, one of the toughest jobs you'll ever love. Um, I usually tell my friends that, father, especially when they're new fathers, uh, the fatherhood, the toughest job you'll ever love. I got it from the old Peace Corps commercial, which it is. It is one of the toughest jobs you'll ever love. But I mean, if you haven't been a parent or you're not a parent, uh, yeah, <laughs> game dev is probably one of the toughest jobs you'll ever love. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can honestly say that. Aside from parenting, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he, he was right. It's a get. It is a get rich quick, get get broke quick, <laughs> slow type of thing. It is you. You definitely gonna sink a lot of money. A lot of it you're not gonna, not gonna get a lot of money from. Unfortunately, nope. Until you make it big, but again, it's very rare. Unfortunately. And I think that's one of the very interesting things, at least over here on the East Coast, is that you know, I've been following like the game dev scene here for since like 2007, 2008, and I really still haven't heard of too many developers, at least over here in New Jersey and Pennsylvania, you know, getting to that big level of recognition. I know New York has definitely grown in the game dev yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, it's, it's usually it's, it's a bigger town. A lot of people who are creators are out there who want to track it big in uh, Broadway and things like that. Many of them will probably transition over to game design and game development because, in a way, the, the elements are kind of transferable. You, you have to design the narrative. You have to create a good pers- a presentation. Um, getting to know and, and, and network and market with people, that's also a very good transferable skill. So, yeah. I can see it happening a lot in, in New York because a lot of people come in there to get famous. Mm-hmm. And getting famous requires you to make a hell of a lot of good job in terms of advertising, 
presenting yourself. If you want to be any kind of a writer, uh, making a really good story, mm-hmm. presenting yourself well. So those kind of skills will definitely help in, in game design. It definitely will. And yep. game development. It'll, it'll definitely help. So I can see why that would happen. Um, I forget. I know I know Toby Fox, and he was a, he's a big name in regards to that he, when, he, when he made uh, Undertale. Where is he from? Do you know? I do not know. Because that guy blew up like overnight when he made Over Undertale, and now he has Delta Rule now, which is also it looks like it's going to be a pretty good game as well. Um, the Meatly, I know about him. I, I don't know if you had a chance to play the Bendy and the Ink Machine. Have you? Oh, uh, which one? Bendy and the Ink Machine. I played the demo of it, not the full game. I've played the full game. Awesome. It's a great game. Again, my hat goes off to that to that, that gentleman. Mm-hmm. He he really did. He knocked it out the park. Really great game. Um, I I don't think he did it all by himself. I think he did have some help. But if he if he did it all by himself, he really I don't know how long it took him for him to do it. But that was, yeah, that was a lot of dedication. Um, Ed McMillan, because I actually saw the um, the indie. The indie game movie, I think it was, it was on. It may be on Netflix, or I know it was at one point. You, I think you've seen it, right? The indie yeah. game movie, yeah. And we've interviewed Emmy um, McMillan too. He was a really great one to talk to. Yeah. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. That movie was uh, it was great because that those were the games that came out in the earlier part of 2000. I'm talking about Super Meat Boy. Mm-hmm. He'd gotten somewhat of a bit of a success with that, but there were a couple of other games that not a lot of people knew about, like Gish. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, a couple of other ones that he actually incorporated that into the Flash version of the Bend of the Binding of Isaac. And that just took off. Um, I did a little bit of looking in, 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 the, uh, in his history, especially I, I enjoyed that movie, honestly. Um, I don't think I was even doing anything in regards with it was game design at the time when I looked at it. I just, I just watched it. I thought it was just a really interesting movie. And uh, he's really a, a, an inspirational story because, yeah, he, he he went through a lot, especially at the time he was just with um, his girlfriend. He didn't even have a kid at the time. Um, I know he he's had at least one child, at least since then. Um, that's a really inspirational story. And uh, I think the stories, the, the, the things like that, where you actually get the chance to get the real human element behind these people's lives. And they're not just a, a name on a splash screen really kind of solidifies how people who are actually involved in this really, really, uh, are in many cases, doing all-nighters and working even when they're sick, when they don't feel like it, when they're always about to go be homeless. Some cases, they have been homeless. Um I don't know if you've played Crashlands or heard about it, Crashlands, but this was actually a, a game that was made uh, by, I think it was three brothers, one mm-hmm. of which was actually dealing with cancer at the time. Yeah. Um, and actually, some of the proceeds actually helped in regards to this treatment. So it was, it was uh, a lot of great stories with that. Unturned was actually produced by uh, 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 Nelson, uh, SDG Nelson. He was a uh, a boy of about seventeen when he made the first version of it. And it actually was 
a mod for Roblox. And then people were playing it, they enjoyed it. So they decided, okay, I'll just release this. And I actually paid for the five dollar version when it came out. Um he was he was 17 when he did it. And I, I was impressed because I wow. I mean the game worked worked well. I mean, of course it, it was blocky and everything else, but for what it could do, he, he put a lot of lot of effort and 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 uh, and work into it. And I, I appreciate when someone excuse me shows that they actually are dedicated to their craft. Mm-hmm. Even if it's something that's not even all that complete, you can see that there was potential to the game. You can see it right there. And it, it released about, I think, about, around about 2015, 2015, 2016 when it came out. And now, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a younger fellow. He's, he's a little bit older now. And he's getting ready to make uh, Unturned 2. And I'm, I'm definitely interested in finding out how that's going to work out. I really am rooting for him for that. So there's a lot of developers that I've noticed just in, in, in just from watching uh, other YouTubers play their games, talk about their games, playing their games myself, that I've, I've really come to, number one, understand what kind of dedication a person has to have or needs to have if they're dead serious about being any kind of a game developer, good, bad, or otherwise. Mm-hmm. You definitely got to have the love. You have to. Because it, it definitely an ex- it's an exercise in love if you're going to do something like this. Because, yeah, yeah, you are definitely going to be losing a lot <laughs> in the process to give it up. But, yeah, you definitely got to have the love for it. Mm-hmm. You definitely do. And I think that is probably a great line to end on for the cast because we're about to hit an hour and a half. Okay. And I think that can certainly do it for tonight. And, yeah, again, like, when it comes to game design, we can sit here and chat for hours on end. It's one thing that everybody watching knows that I can do at this point. But it was great hanging out with you this evening and definitely the best of luck with your game. Do you have any idea in terms of, like, when you're hoping to get it finished? Like, is there – do you see the light at the end of the tunnel? Oh, yes. Yes, I definitely do. I'm anticipating of releasing Monstrux, Makers, and Mayhem by either the mid or latter part of July this year. Okay. So uh, that'll just co- coincide just about at the end <laughs> of the uh, the game jam that I'll, that I'll be running because I'll be doing the voting and everything else. So, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be a, a very interesting summer. <laughs> and then um, I can kind of get back into work with on Slime Kingdom. Um, I have some ideas that I want to kick around for that. I'm, I'm kind of hammering on ideas in terms of artwork and everything else for episode two. And I may have that out by the end of the year. Maybe I might. Um, I'm just trying to make sure I don't, I don't try to burn myself out in regards with, with working on, on everything, especially with everything else going on with my yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, definitely with that. Anything else that you want to ask me? Um, I think for right now, I think that should do it. Are you uh, thinking about going on like Steam, or are you going to stay on Itch for your games? Uh, I think when I go through, uh, go to open uh, the not open, go into e- uh, uh, early access. Excuse me, I'll probably be going towards uh, Steam in that regard because a lot of people, a lot more people are on Steam than are all on uh, on Itch and everything else. 
And I'll probably may do that after the release of Beta 2. Because I think this time I'll be able to have all the battle mechanics that I want to have in it already finished. Because there were some things that in the first in the first beta that needed to be retweaked. But I think once I've done that, I think I'll have something that has to be a, a, a total package that people will, will be able to experience everything that I have in mind for the game. Right, sounds good. And yeah, uh, like I said, definitely the best of luck and also good luck with running the game jam uh, next Thank month you. as well. Thanks. Uh, that's <laughs> it's going to be interesting. <laughs> definitely interesting. Uh, it's going to be a challenge. I've never done it before. Yeah. I'm curious to hear what how it goes for you because I don't do too many things in terms of game jams these days, but it's always been a great way to get more people involved and, you know, kind of have, like, a few days of, like, extreme crunch and trying to get something going. Yeah, it's going to be three weeks, and uh, I've, I've talked with some of the guys on uh, my on my, my, my Discord jam and uh, my Discord channel, and they definitely was like, oh, wow, I got to do all this. So when I, when I release that 30-day time period, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to let everybody know, look, hey, you don't need to work on anything right now. But it's definitely a good idea. You want to try to get some ideas out there. If you're going to have people that you want to work with, try to gather your, your resources. Because when I put out the, the last, last tweet in regards to letting them know that it's going to be out, that's it. Three weeks, 21 days. <laughs> <laughs> so get ready. So I, I'm, I'm really interested in see what people will come up with. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I want to see. I want to see what will they come up with. What will they make? In regards to that, and I want to see if maybe if someone if I if I can kind of uh, let's see I want to I, I see somebody said the new shark said ask him how he how he feels about crunch culture. Uh, look, having done a game jam myself, I can tell you that it's definitely very frantic. Now, it's, in regards with some of the bigger companies, in regards to the games they were making, that's I honestly. That's a bit unreasonable. Having people work like like beyond that time period where they're actually working themselves to the point of exhaustion. I get that you want to make a product, mm-hmm. and I get this is a business. I understand that completely. But you can't produce something good with people who are tired. Nope. You know, um, I know I'm dating myself with this particular reference, but there was a movie out by Cecil B. DeMille. Uh, it was called The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. And in one scene, he was being questioned by, at that point, his uh, his brother and uh, the chief priest before his father, Seti, who at that point was the, 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 the longest running uh, Egyptian pharaoh at that time period. Mm-hmm. And they were laying out all of his, like, the accusations against him and everything else. And, you know, uh, Ramesses, who was played by Joel Brenner, was on a scale and he was putting on weight after weight after weight after weight until it fell down. Boom. And then Moses walked over and he says, there's one, these two lines to make cities require straw. The strong make many, the few, the weak make none. Well, the, the, few, the, the, the weak make few. And then he dropped his huge like brick boulder on the scale and knocked everything off. He said, bam, the dead make none. 
So if you can't keep your people energized and and willing to work, you're going to get a bad product. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. can't, you can't, you, as much as you want to put, put something out, you can't overwork your resources. Uh, I think if any company is willing to do that, I mean, you kind of deserve what you get. You know? Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's something we're going to be seeing more of or see more discussions going on as there's greater talks for unions when it comes to the game industry. <laughs> and, and you know what? Honestly, as with any other industry, I think that would actually be... It's kind of a two-edged sword with unions because you know how it happens with, with labor unions back in the day. These guys get corrupt, you know, and then they start, you know, getting like a lot of money. And then, so it could be a good thing. Yeah. But it's, it's definitely going to, it's going to have a lot of its warts and bumps along the way. So that's definitely something that to keep an eye on as it, as it does go on for it. But honestly, if these companies would just think a little bit first, in terms of the quality of their products and also the life and health of their workers, I don't think that ever actually would come about. I mean, I don't, I don't think that in, in regards to any company that's, that's of, of, of any size, if you had just put your workers first, I honestly don't think you would need unions. Mm-hmm. If, if it's, just, it's just uncontrollable greed, that's what it is. And unfortunately, the game industry never really had a chance to build like a foundation or you know some kind of organizational body even the IGDA is just more or less somewhat recognized but not really and at the rate the industry goes like it's always moving forward which makes it very hard to kind of stop and establish ground rules uh yeah the reason why is because most people don't take it seriously because to be 100% honest it, it is something that's designed mostly for children. This isn't something as, as serious as, say, coal mining mm-hmm. or architecture or infrastructure where people's lives pretty mm-hmm. much are on the line. Mm-hmm. And if you mess up, <laughs> a lot of people and a lot of people are going to die and a lot of lawsuits are coming. In regards with this, this is basically more or less a leisure product. So therefore, many things, at least at this particular point, are kind of fast and loose in terms of regulation. I mean, of course, we have the you know the ERS, the SRB, we have that. Okay, yeah, but that's more like kind of a, a moral watchdog type of thing, and that was needed. But in terms of actually how to set forth the standards of work time, mm-hmm. standard time for breaking. I mean, of course, they have the labor laws, but <sighs> with something like this. They can, they, 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 I don't know. I, honestly, I don't even know how they even got people working 60 hours and given with the, the current labor laws, but apparently they must have figured some kind of way around that. And I have no way why they figured that out. But definitely, if there were more of a codified set of rules in terms of just basic common sense, look, if the person is working like, 12 hours or something like that a day you, you gotta get you gotta give them some time to relax because what's gonna happen here is people will literally burn out mm-hmm. they literally will like you literally see people just writhing on the phone they, they be talking about it people at the dog and desk just like, uh, uh, uh. 
was a total system shutdown right there on the desk. So it's no, you, you can't you can't do that. You can't. I honestly I would think that any kind of developer, big or small, if you're gonna be putting out a game. And this was the major problem I had with the Xbox when it came out. If you're going to put out any kind of a product, I would say, based on the nature of, of the turnaround of actually actually making a game and everything else, set it out for a release date maybe a year or two in advance. Just to give your team enough time to actually work at a reasonable pace. So that the quality of what you make is good and then you'll be able to, to to match it the problem is they come out an e3 comes out christmas 2019 and it's freaking january <laughs> and now everybody's oh, oh oh my god what are you gonna hey we gotta work 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 and now these people are freaking literally almost working themselves into an early grave heart attack and all just to try to produce something and it comes out only to get trashed <laughs> but the, the, the game industry oh news and everybody else it's no <laughs> it's not worth it it's just not so you might as well just nah, you might as well just, just wait out you might as well just wait just wait put out a really good trailer and honestly follow the example of the indies when a person is making an indie game they just put out like a, maybe a trailer and they're saying, hey, look, follow XYZ to see the progress. And then just put out, as long as you put out something at least maybe a week, a couple of weeks, a um, couple, two or three times a month, it shows, number one, the company and then the people who are, who are going to be buying it, the audience, that, hey, we're still working. We have a, a, a release build, like a demo build that you can play. And people will like that. And it actually will help to generate buzz. And you don't have to kill yourself trying to get it done. <laughs> you know, you don't have to kill your employees and run the risk. Oh, Gus. Uh, this is. This, 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 uh. And no, I did not admit that I wasn't an indie. I'm just saying just follow the indie, the, the example of us indies. Like we were actually in the process of showing what we're doing. Uh, New Shark. Good, good, good question, though. Um, but just follow, follow the example that we're putting out. Just show the, show the work and don't try to be so flashy about it. Don't try to be in such a big hurry to get it released because you, you literally are killing your, you're killing your workers, man. You're just doing it. And that's, that's not good. That's not good at all. And then only to turn around when, you, when your sales don't come out as good as you want to start firing 800 some odd mm -hmm. people. Because the game, the quality, let's just be honest, the quality of what you put out was crap. What do you expect? You're not going, nobody's going to pay a huge amount of money for nonsense. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're going to put out something that's good, take the time to make it good. Take the time. <laughs> There's a, a, a famous line from, a favorite line from one of from, from uh, uh, my favorite Aesop's fable called Little by Little Does the Trick. It's from the, the crow in the picture. Look it up sometime. <laughs> All right. But I think with that, yeah, I think that is definitely a good point to end on. I do, unfortunately, have to get going for the next few minutes. I also have my own games here I need to get ready for in about an hour. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
it was definitely a pleasure hanging out with you tonight. And like I said, definitely the best of luck with the Game Jam and getting your game out later this year. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And I, I'm definitely going to look at this book that you got here for books on game design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely gonna check those out. Actually, Mike, let me see something here. Now, this one by you, the twenty. What is it? The twenty essential yeah. games to study. Yeah, that's mine. Huh? I bet you felt pretty proud when you published this book. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You don't have an ebook version of it, but I, I think I still get the hard, the paperback version. Yeah, I think there is an ebook on the website that you can order too. No, not that, not an ebook. I'm at an audio book like you oh. actually were talking about, but that would require you to actually take the time out and actually do an audio yourself. I know it can, it can be time consuming, so yeah. I think I actually might get this one. Looks pretty cool. All right, but yeah, um, it's great to hear from somebody trying to get into the game industry, especially being relatively close. Again, it's these days it is very rare to. Uh, talk to people like kind of in my own neighborhood like uh, last week we had a conversation with i think we had a few developers from europe and Mm. it can be very interesting just how far things have come and where they continue to go when it comes to the independent scene yeah uh unfortunately i guess a lot of people because unless you've actually made a game that makes a lot of money most people um Mm -hmm. you know most people don't want to talk about it yep uh, my wife knows i do it and um uh, when i told her about it oh this sounds like a, like a nice hobby like no i'm <laughs> dead level serious yeah like i'm not playing with this this is something serious and i, I think that when I, I actually showed her that i actually uh it wasn't much but that's the first five dollars i made with a game that i ever made and it's not even complete yet you know so it, it was it's a small victory but it's a victory nonetheless and uh, I, 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 uh, I definitely, it definitely made me smile. It, it made me feel good that someone actually thought enough about it to actually do that. And again, if you keep plugging away at, it, you know, it takes that time and dedication to get a game out, especially when you're learning as you're going. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I said, little by little does the trick. Mm-hmm. Little by little does the trick. All right. But with that, we are going to end things for tonight. So, once again, thank you for coming on. And for any developers watching, if you'd like to come on for a cast, whether you're on any dev or at a major studio, please don't hesitate to get in touch. Be sure to check out our Discord and Patreon link down below. But otherwise, um, I'll be back later tonight for our regular game stream. And we'll have daily videos discussing game design here and on Game Wisdom, where some of you are on Science of Games. Until our next stream, folks, have a great evening, and I will see you all then. Take care. Thanks. You too.